I have a question for you. The question is, in, in Corinthians, it's like, are, are you different? Are you different? Pastor Chris did an outstanding job preaching on the called-out ecclesia, the, the, the Bible being our standard for the, the culture that we live in today. We're to be different. When I was 18, I wanted to be the same. I, I just, it was, it was, all the kids at school had Nike tennis shoes. I went and told my mom that I wanted Nike tennis shoes. She walked in the Nike store and walked right back out of it, and we went right to Walmart. We bought shoes. <laughs> like, it's like she said, I can buy the whole family shoes for what you want to spend for one pair of Nike shoes. <clears throat> my family did not have money, so we did the best that we can. But I remember getting a job and saving up and buying Nike shoes. You know, I didn't want to be different than everybody else. I wanted people to see that swoosh on the back of my shoe. I wanted to blend in. That is fine when it comes to shoes. But it's not fine when it comes to the culture in which we live in in our world. God's called us to live different. It's, we, we, we have issues today in our culture that we've blurred the, blurred the lines. The more that you get used to the world around you, the more you get comfortable. We're like in Revelation when they were talking about uh, you become lukewarm. Do you know how you become lukewarm? Do you know how you take something that's ice cold or hot and make it lukewarm? Just let it sit and adapt to the culture around it. Let it, it takes on the temperature of what it is around. It just it becomes lukewarm. It become, it, that, that liquid takes on the temperature of the atmosphere around it. A lot of times in our culture, Christians do that. We become stagnant. There's nothing different about us because we adapt to the culture around us. This can happen in our culture when it comes to marriage. Marriages fail and struggle. People that have been raised in church and know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they're involved and yet they have struggling marriages at home. Our marriages should be different. People that adapt to the sin of our culture when it comes to premarital sex. Guys, let me tell you something. Sex is for marriage. It's not for dating. I'm sorry, I was, I was thinking for a minute. I was in church when I said that. Uh, <clears throat> Sex is for marriage, it's not for dating. God created it that way. You can say, Pastor Tony, that's not what the world around us does. I know what the world around us does, but we're called to be different. We're different. There's a standard in which the Bible has had. And, and there's, there's so many things that we're getting away from slowly because we adapt. And all of a sudden, people are telling us, well, that's not what everybody does. And you need to wake up to the world that we live in and you catch up with the culture. If the culture is doing something that is wrong, we don't need to catch up with it. It's wrong. Come out and be separate. Call out and be holy. Come out and be righteous. That's what God's called us to do. There should be a distinction about God's people. There should be a distinction in our lives. There should be. And the world will write people off and say, I'm done with you. God says you forgive. How many times? 70 times 7. That's what you forgive. So well, I'm not doing that. I, I, I unfriended and I'll block them. I'll never talk to them again. But let me tell you, that's a heart problem. We're called to be different. Called to be different. You know, you know the truth is normal's not working. You're going to hear that a lot. You say, well, that's just the normal thing to do. Well, let me tell you, the normal thing to do is not working. It's not working. And then we try to make it look good and we try to dress it up in a, in a peace culture to like, well, we're, we're doing okay. Well, we put up a facade behind the facade and there are failing marriages. There are moms and dads and, and, and people at home that are leading that go to church and they still contemplate suicide because their life is so miserable. 
There's people that, will, that, that have to cope with, with either smoking pot or, or popping pills or, or running off the drink or whatever because the world is so hard that they need something to deal with life and yet doing it instead of doing God's way, we say, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, let me tell you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It might work for a season. It might work for a time. But I'll tell you, it eventually catch up to you and people have problems and, and baggage that is astronomical. It's crazy. Normal is not working. Actually, normal is destroying our nation and our homes. And the Bible tells us in the last days that there's things that he warns us about. He said there's going to be people that have itching ears. They're, they're going to want to say, don't, don't disrupt my lifestyle and don't sit there and tell me what the Bible says. I just want you to make me feel good about it. And the Bible says that they'll have itching ears. They, 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 they just, just don't, don't make me feel bad when I come to church. The Bible explains even in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, that the man of, let no man deceive you by any means for the day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's not, that's not even talking about the world. Read the passage. It's talking about falling away from the word of God to where we get to the place where we say, well, this is just normal and everybody does it. And God says, no, but you know what happened is you've gotten away from what makes us different. You know, when Jesus was teaching, he said to the disciples, you are now the light of the world. You know what the light is? The light is distinctly different in the darkness. And yet we're trying so hard to blend in. And God says, I, I've called you to stand out. Well, we're not reaching the world today. Well, maybe because we're, too, we're blending in too much to the world around us. We're, there's no distinction about us. There's no attraction to, to anything different because we blend into the darkness. The, the Bible even talks about putting a bushel over the light to, to where they can't see the light in you because we've, we've masked it. Paul wrote this book. It was a, and we're going to do a study through this book and just hit all the things that he's called. I'm not doing verse by verse. We're going to do verse by verse through the things but I'm going to hit all the areas that God's called us to be different. And whatever subject comes up next with being different is the subject we're going to hit. So you're, you're going to sit there and say, I wonder who's dealing with that. I, I don't know. It's just what the Bible says. So we're going to hit it. We're going to go through this over the summer. This church was started as a result of Paul on his missionary journey, his second missionary journey. He's, he's going through Euro, the European uh, nations and, and he comes through Asia, uh, Athens and Philippi and he works his way down to this place called Corinth. When he got there, he stayed a long time. It was a year and a half, 18 months that he stayed in the, in the city of Corinth. It was a wicked city. It was, it was so messed up. There were so many challenges that he had to face inside of this. And when he left the church, he left the church. There was an established church in the book or in the, uh, the, we read about in the book of Corinthians. One of the members of the church writes back, and, and from the house of Chloe, and, and they write back to Paul, and they said, man, we're having all sorts of issues. We, we have people fighting in the church. He said, we have, we have sin issues, and they start writing it out, saying the sin issues that they're dealing with. They, they had people divided in the church over who they're following. They had doctrinal issues and morality issues and all this stuff. So then Paul writes this letter to them, and he says, hey, church, let, let me remind you who you are. And today is just a basic introduction when I get into what I'm actually preaching about today, some of you are going to be like, oh my goodness, is he being this basic with it? But I'll explain when we get into this. So Paul is their spiritual mentor and he writes this letter and he addresses some of these issues. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called it to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
called to be saints, that all that are in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he, he, Paul, he just he goes, guys, do you remember who you are? He says, man, I'm going to hit these issues, but you guys are the saints of God. You are the called out of God. You're different. He uses the word sanctified in this passage. Well, we'll get into next week. He's, he, he's, he said you were called, that called out part of the church, the ecclesia, that, that you're different. You're, you're building your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And he starts preaching to them. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I thank God always on your behalf for the grace which he has given to you by Jesus Christ. That in everything you are enriched by him. And all utterance and in knowledge, and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Paul does this general greeting, and then he starts talking about these things, and he begins to introduce what, what they're dealing with. Now, let me explain to you. I'm going to give you some background on why this was such a big deal. So, Corinth was a major city in Greece next to the Mediterranean Sea. So, I'm going to, I'm going to walk you guys through this. So, if you see, there, there's like upper Greece and lower Greece, and there, there, there's this big continent of land. And in the middle of that section of land that you can see in the red Corinth, that was actually about 10 miles deep and about three and a half miles wide, that little section right there. And that kind of linked those two areas together. Well, this created a lot of opportunity for a lot of people. It was located in, in Europe, and this neck of land divides these two major seas and these two major sections of land. And uh, if you were going to try to transport goods, it would be very frustrating because you would be going from that section, you would want uh, to go around the whole area of that. Well, to go around the whole thing from Corinth all the way down to the bottom up and around, it's like 250, 270 miles. If you even reached the bottom, they said the winds that would go around the bottom of that area were so bad that most of the ships never even made it. So here it is. It opened up all this crazy opportunity for the church or for the city of Corinth. So today, if you were to look at a zoomed-in picture of this, you're going to see it, it looks different. So that's the whole section of land. Corinth is right in the middle of that. Now, if you see that strip that goes through the middle of it, that, that wasn't there back then. That's a canal. Let me show you the canal. And this is modern-day Corinth right now. So they built this, uh, this canal. It's like the Panama Canal. But they couldn't do that back in the day. They didn't have the technology, the equipment, or anything like that to do that. But they made it to where people could get from one side to the other through that canal. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see. Well, they didn't have that. So what they had to do is they, were, they took advantage of it. People would dock on this side. And they did have some carts, if the boat was smaller, that they could actually put the cart or put the boat on the cart and actually wheel it to the other side. And there's a whole market for this thing. And then they put the boat back on the other side. Or they would have it to where they would unload the boats from one side and they would put everything in the carts and transport. And they had a whole business of this going. And then they would bring it to the other side and put it on another boat. Well, it saved all this time. Well, what happens when you have an area where all these people are going from the top to the bottom and from left to right? Travelers, Businessmen, tradespeople, they created this city. It was like New York City met Las Vegas. It was a metroplex. It was a melting pot. It was all sorts of cultures coming together, but it was also, uh, it was Sin City. They had this uh, mountain in the middle of the city. It was this hill, and they had a temple of the goddess of love. And they had temple prostitutes. And they set up to like a thousand prostitutes. And at night, those temple prostitutes would just come down from that hill. And they would just go into the city. And people went there for it. It's not like they were like, oh man, who is she? No, they, they went there looking for this. 
They were, they, they was, they were, they were drunks. They had brothels. They had all these different things. It was, it was just this city of sin. The business people would be transporting their thing. They'd be able to stop there, get entertainment, get fun, get drunk, spend the night, and be able to go on their travels. So it became this, this area. And then you can imagine in the middle of this, Paul goes to this sin city that is just so messed up. And you, you walk in there and say, hey, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And they're like, what? That's just the, everybody does it. Everybody does it. That's just normal life. That's nothing weird. That's just what we do. And Paul begins to take the words of Jesus Christ and begins to tell them, no, there's another way. You're called to be different. You can imagine a lot of churches being in Ephesus and all these things that we read of them. Now you know why this church was dealing with so many like, whoa, stuff. It's like, wow. People would go there and be introduced to sins that they didn't even know existed in the church or the, the city of Corinth. So Paul now leaves the city and they begin to go back to a lot of their old ways. So there's two major principles that I want to introduce at the, at the beginning of this message before we get into a lot of the details of this. But let me start over. Verse 2 again. Let me show you this. Unto the church of God. So he's talking to God's people. Is at Corinth. I know where you live. I know what you're dealing with. Guys, I've been there. I've had to shield my eyes going to church. I, I, I've had the women approach me. I, I, I've had the business people. I, he goes, I know where you live. I know what you're dealing with. He said, he's saying this. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Well, that's sanctified, man. He says, you are called out. I, I, you could use the word sanctified and even put it in, put it in the word different. You are different. Call to be saints with all every place that call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. That phrase is familiar to us. I'll show it to you here in a minute. Both theirs and ours. So I'm going to give you both my points that I'm going to be preaching over, over the, the beginning of this message. I'm only doing one of them. One, we are saved by Jesus Christ. Two, we are changed by Jesus Christ. Now this is the part where I was thinking you're going, to, you're going to write me off and be like, we're saved by Jesus Christ. And you're going to say, we, we know that. All right, Pastor Tony, we know, we know that. Let me explain this as we get into this because they're both connected. Paul is calling to their minds their encounter that they had with Jesus Christ. He said in verse 2, listen to this. He said, with all that are in every place that call upon the name of our Jesus Christ, our Lord. Does that sound familiar? Have any of you ever heard that phrase before? See, salvation comes only to those that call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I, I know I'm not going to shock you with anything, but I think I might shake you a little bit as I get into this. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that salvation comes for those that call upon the name of the Lord. Now, that, that, is, that is an important thing because in our church culture, it's easy to introduce salvation in this simple way. And you guys have heard this, but I'm going to lay this out for you and explain to you that this is not salvation. Here's what people will say. Do you want to die and go to hell? Well, who's going to say yes to that? Nobody... So all you have to do is do this. All you have to do is repeat after me and say this prayer. Dear Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And I don't want to go to hell and I want you to be my savior. Amen. Now you're going to heaven. Repeating a prayer does not save you. Repeating a prayer does not save you. Now you can repeat a prayer to receive salvation if it's from your heart. Now, I know, I know this is really basic, but I'm going to explain to you as we get into this, and you're going to be like, oh, I get it now, of why this is so important, especially in the church of Corinth. And I'd say that there's a lot of parallels to us 
of the culture that we live in and the entertainment that we have and the sin and, and, the, and the online and, and, and everything else that's pumped into us. We're around that things that are becoming normal. But let me explain this to you. Salvation is not forced. It's not manipulated by man, a pastor, or a parent. It's not an emotional decision made in a church service or, or at a camp service or anything. It's not a repeat after me. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, there is no salvation without heart change. And I'm going I'm to hit this for the rest of the time. Because here's the thing, we're trying to beat people up to be different. And a lot of times they're like, oh, why are they acting right? Why aren't they living right? Why are my kids living right? Stop. There cannot be a difference in your life. There cannot be life change without heart change. And I think a lot of times we preach these messages like, do right, do right. I was like, well, I wish my son was there. I wish my daughter would have been. I wish my husband would have There cannot be life change without heart change. So let me explain this because I don't believe that anything that I'm going to preach from here on out is going to make any sense to anybody if we don't get this. We have to stop telling people that all you have to do is repeat a prayer for them to know Jesus. The Bible explains that those that call upon the name of the Lord, let me explain this. I've been... Um, I, I feel like I'm a fairly decent parent, okay? But I have lost my kids in the store. Is anybody else? Can you identify with me on that? Be, be real, okay? <clears throat> thank you, thank you. All right. You know, they, they, you're walking around the toy section or whatever, and Jenny says, go entertain the kids and don't let them do anything dumb or whatever, and I take that job very seriously. Now, my kids are 21, 19, and 16 now, so it's a different world when we go to this store, okay? But back then, now they go looking for me, okay? It's a whole different story. Uh, but I, I remember when Jordan was little, and one time I can't remember the store that we were at, and he just went around the corner, and for a minute we were separated. And I, I remember just walking through the store, being all sophisticated and good about it, and say, Jordan, hey, buddy, Jordan, dad's over here, bud. And then it hits your heart that there's an urgency. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm running up to the front of the store just like anybody, because your imagination goes, somebody grab my kid running off with them or whatever in the twisted world that we live in. And I remember going down the front and my heart's racing. And I remember in that moment getting up and you say, I'm a weirdo. Okay, I don't mind being a weirdo. I remember saying, Jordan, where are you? Jordan, come to dad right now. You say, why did you do that? There was an urgency. I wasn't just repeating words. I had a desperation from my heart that there was an urgency involved in the situation. And I cried out. The word that God is telling us that those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is when the, those that need or see their need of salvation, they begin to cry out from their heart, not just from their lips. You have to know that you're lost. You have to see your lost condition. I am on my way to hell. I need Jesus. I am lost without Jesus. I am desperate without Jesus. God, you saved me. You'll push people out of the way. You'll kneel at the altar. you do whatever it takes because I need Jesus and I need to get to Jesus. Yep. Not this hold your hands like, mom wants you to start acting better. You need to start acting better. Listen, buddy. You need to start, you need to start listening back. You, know, you hear, listen, listen to daddy. And maybe, do you want to go, say this prayer with, say this prayer with daddy. You know what I'm talking about? It's not salvation. 
There has to be a self-awareness where you come to the point in your life where you know that you're lost and you cry out to God. Paul is saying this at the very beginning of this passage as he gets into this. There's a problem that we face. We get good at being Christians. We're around it. I mean, a lot of us have grown up in church. A lot of our kids have grown up in church. My kids were born into Fellowship Baptist Church. That's all they know. That's all they know. The songs, going to church, what to say, what not to say, what to watch, what not to watch, what to, when to stand up in church, when to, you know, all, all that stuff. They go to camp, they know when to go, you know what I'm saying, it becomes mechanical. And a lot of times going to church is just like, come on guys, we're going to church. Okay, we're going to church. And then they, they just follow the suit of what they've been taught their whole life. It just becomes mechanical in their life. But if, if there's been no heart change the, the, the life that they're living, and I'm not trying to, you guys know that I'm being real right now, okay? This, this is important stuff, and I'm not trying to scare anybody out of their salvation. I'm just being real. The, you find what the, the disconnection from mom or dad or from youth pastor or program comes in, and there's no change in their life, and there's no draw to God because all of it was led by mom and dad, but nothing in their heart. Our kids grow up and they end up leaving church and leaving God and things like that. And I know that there's some that get away, but there should be some form of a connection, spiritual pulse inside their heart that makes them crave spiritual things. Is there a struggle? Yes, there should be a struggle. I'm worried, more worried when there's not a struggle. Let, 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 let's just talk about, I'm, I'm talking about the same thing in church. You, you understand that there's going to come a day that you stand before God. And I, I want to read the passage that Jesus was preaching when he said this. Listen to this. He was warning. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the, my Father which is heaven. What, 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 did, what was the will of the Father in heaven? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. How do you get saved? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It, was, it wasn't works. It was the will of the Father was to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 22 starts off with a word that scares me to death. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The whole point what Jesus was saying, there's a lot of people that go through the motions of it. And then the same illustration we can read with the parable of the sower. There was some that had the, the illusion that there was something there. But the Bible says that there was no root. So everything was choked up. It never lasted because there was no root. What is the root? The root is from salvation from the heart. It's not just from the, from the lips. It's not just from the action of it. So Jesus is saying there's coming a day where people are going to stand before God and says, Hey, did I not go to youth group? Was I not part of Awana? God, did I not win the award for this? And you know what? I went to camp and I was a leader of this and I, 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 all these different things. And Jesus is not going to say, son, you had your salvation, but you lost it. He said, I never knew you. Never. You never came to the place where you brought it from your head knowledge to your heart. There's, there, there's got to be that that, that happens in your, in your, in your heart. So if you're in 1 Corinthians, go to verse 6, or chapter 6. It's, it's only two or three pages away. Look at this. And I'm going to get into this next week. And he begins to talk about salvation and the transition that happened to his, to his, to his life. He says, and such were some of you. I'll, I'll explain what the such were some of you next week. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our Lord. 
here's the thing about the Spirit of God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. It is, let me, let me explain to you. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me tell you, it is God with us. When you receive Jesus Christ, the way that you are on your way to heaven, it's the indwelling of the Spirit of God living inside of your life. You have God living inside of you. Let me explain that. That is the character of God, the, the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit, all these kind of things that should be inside of your life. Let me take it a step further. That is, that is a powerful force that's inside of your life. If you have the Spirit of the Creator of the universe that steps into your life, you can't remain the same. To sit there and say a prayer and walk away completely different, I'm like, well, what, wait a minute, what did you get at that point? The Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God's inside of you, you are now bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. No, I'm not talking about perfection. But I am talking about a pulse. I'm talking to these men. Let, let, me, let me zone in on the camera right now. I'm, I'm talking for those men right now. Let me just zone in on that. If your wife has to constantly drag you to church, you better check your heart. You say, honey, we should pray at the table. I don't want to pray. No, we're not praying. You know, like, we should go to church tomorrow. Know, yeah, it's like, we, we, we should say, I don't know, we should be part of life. I don't like, where's your pulse? I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but I am, uh, oh, alive in Christ. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. new. Can I just do a reality check with you guys? Anybody, I say you, your kids, your wife, whoever it is, if you have to drag them to everything spiritually, you better check your heart. You say, why are you doing this? I'm talking about preaching about being different. There cannot be life change without heart change. And there's a lot of times that we preach these messages about you, 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 the morality in your life or living unto righteousness or living unto God and all this. And then there's no heartbeat in you to say, man, I need to do that. Because here's the thing. If the spirit of God is inside of you, you'll go off and do wrong. I promise you. I mean, every one of the disciples, you, you look at, they all there. But there's, there's a voice inside of you that pulls you back, that convicts you, that shakes you up. If there is no conviction, no heart change, no, no speaking you, then no, none of these things, then what, what's missing in you? Somebody, I'm just asking you the question. I'm, I'm at the beginning of this, before you get in there. I'm just asking you the question. Are you different? Are you different? And if you're not, I, I, I'm asking you, the question, why, what's missing? If hearing God's word constantly offends you, something's wrong. Because my spirit bears witness with his spirit, the spirit that we are the sons of God. By the way, it is his word. And if his word is coming into my heart and he's living in my heart, I shouldn't be upset about it. It's just speaking to who I am as a child of God. If you have no desire for spiritual things whatsoever, something is wrong. If you can live in sin and have no conviction, something is wrong. The only time you come to church is when somebody drags you, something is wrong. I'm not asking you to be perfect. 
I'm asking you if you, at the baseline of this, do we have a pulse? Does anything move you spiritually? Because if the spirit, if the son, if the, the spirit of God is inside of you, things will change. And I say this because there is coming a day where you're going to stand before God. And it won't matter if you stand there and explain all the ministries and all the things you went through, all the things that you did. If there's not a heart, if there's not a heart change, if there's not salvation in your life, let me just put it this way. You are on your way to hell. Say that hurts. I'd rather you I'd rather make you uncomfortable now than when you stand before God. Amen. Can I can I give even parents advice? Sometimes we are so wrapped up with when when little little Johnny said that prayer at 5 or 6 or 7 or 10 or 15, you know, whatever it is. And we don't see any kind of change in their life. We're sitting there like Mommy's taught you better than that. And dad said, you remember, you went to youth, you went to that, and you're trying to change them. And there's, there's no drive. There should not be where you have to relive those moments and say, okay, I'm going to drag you back to church. There should be some sort of response that says, mom, I know I'm struggling. Keep praying for me because God's working on me. But if it's just a matter of mom, leave me alone, shut up. You shoved it down my throat for all those years and I want nothing to do with it. Something's wrong. You need to shift your prayer to Lord change them, to Lord save them. I'm not trying to be the Spirit of God, but I am saying that these verses are in the Bible for a reason. The Bible says, by their fruit you will know them. When the Bible talks about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of their life. You guys know Jenny's story. She wasn't saved until she was in her 20s, full-time staff at Fellowship Baptist Church as a pastor's wife. Comes to me at a youth meeting, broken down. We're, 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 I mean, we're leaving. It's raining. She's weeping. I said, what is wrong, babe? What is wrong? She, she finally broke down. She grabbed me and she goes, I am lost. I know it. She said, I feel like God's given up on me. I feel like there's no chance. She says, I am so miserable. I have no peace. We left there, dropped off the teens. We went to Waffle House parking lot and sat there, talked for like two, three hours. As my wife explained to me the history of her battling with not having peace in her life, because the fact is, I know the songs, I know all these things, but I just don't know. And, and, and we, we realize that the Satan works in your mind, and Satan works through pride, and Satan works through all these things. But if there's something that's missing and you have no peace in your life, God is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. There should be the evidence of change and the evidence of growth and the evidence of life and the evidence of God in your life. I said, Jen, you've got to stop doing it your way and start doing it God's way and take your hands off of it. Stop overthinking and just cry out to God and be real and honest with God if I'm confused and I'm scared and I don't know. We wept in that car. She gave her life to Jesus Christ and God began to do a miracle changing her in so many ways to give her peace. And I say that because there's so many here that are just going through and I'm thinking, I want there to be a difference. I want there to be a difference. I want there to be a difference. There cannot be life change without heart change. I said, well, Pastor Tony, do you not realize that you're preaching on Sunday morning to a bunch of people that come to church all the time? Yes, I know exactly who I'm speaking to. But I also know there's a lot of people that are struggling. And by the way, everybody will tell you that's behind the scenes. Everything that I'm doing right now is not the plan for this morning service. 
I went rogue because God told me to go in this direction for whatever reason that if you're watching online, if you're sitting here in person, God wants to give you peace that you don't have. He wants to make you different in a way that you cannot do for yourself. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you what you're chasing after. And I'm not trying to, there's, there's a balance here. Some pastors are like trying to scare people all the time about, you know, so to get their numbers up of people that get say, I'm not trying to do that. But I don't want to be that passive pastor either that assumes that everybody has it right when there's people sitting in the church that are miserable. Can we just be real? Say, I'm closing the service right now, but this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be real and search your heart right now. Do you know that 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 you're saved and you're going to heaven? Do you know? But I'm looking for those that say, Pastor Tony, I'm struggling. I've been struggling for a long time. I don't have peace. I fear being left behind. I fear... I, I, I fear dying in an accident. I fear it. You shouldn't fear. There should be no perfect love cast out fear. You shouldn't fear the eternity because you have Jesus. It changes things. So I'm not trying to use scare tactics. I'm just, I'm just laying it out there. I'm wanting you to examine yourself. I, I, w- I want you to search your heart right now. I'm asking you this. I don't, I'm not asking how long you've been in church. Have you been in church 60 years? Praise God for that. God's not going to ask you when you get to heaven how long you've been in church. Do you know and have confidence that you have Jesus in your heart? But if you don't, you say, Pastor Tony, I'm struggling and I know I am. And I don't have peace. I want you to pray right now. Not, not repeat after me. This is, it's a different kind of prayer, okay? This is a prayer that I'm asking you to pray. It's like, God, speak to me and show me. God, help me to know if I'm lost or saved. I'm asking you, God, if I'm not saved, to work in my heart, save me. I don't want to play games. I don't want to run. I don't want to face hell. I need you. Save me, change me. And by the way, it's not repeating the words that I say. I I can walk you through it. That's not you saying... It's from your heart, that desperation of like, I feel it. I know it. I know it. I want it. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, it's like that's what follows. It's if God is working in your heart and God convicted and God said, Tony, today you're to preach this so that those that walk in and those that listen online can hear the truth and get it right. Right. 